Hi. There you are. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. How's your morning going? Started, so started um, early, huh? Started early and had some breakfast and kind of did some little work before kind of getting set up here. And nice. Good. So yourself? Uh, yeah, it was a busy morning. Obviously, we had the Seattle Rental Group uh, workshop, and then I had a couple of showings, and now here we are. And a couple nice. more things going on this afternoon, too. It's been kind of a weird, um, I feel like in the last week and a half, things just like picked up, oddly enough. I don't know whether people are trying to do things before, let's say, the true holiday season starts in November. Yep. Um, but yeah, I just felt like everything kind of downtown on the renting side and also sales kind of picked up. So it's great. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, we'll, we'll push for the we'll push for the winter in the fall. Mm -hmm. sure. I usually, uh, I, I kind of feel right around this time it kind of mellows out, um, right before the holidays. Yeah, because people are kind of panning um, with the holidays, and then once it's all over, you know, New Year's comes around and it kind of picks up back again for me, anyways. Yep. And, uh, and I've talked with other agents and whatnot, and they said that you know winters are always slow, and I, was, I don't know, my seven years of doing this. I've always been busy in the winters. Oh yeah, and I tend to do like more sales in the winter. And yeah, it's kind of know. funny how that happens. I mean, I think with naturally we work with a lot of investors, and and so maybe there's people that, you know, they're moving money around, trying to purchase places before the end of the year, um, trying to sell their properties before the end of the year, like all that sort of thing. And then yeah. you get you get the reload side too, um, which you know. Are, Moving during the holidays is not ideal, but if you are going to move, you know, at least you have some downtime, you know, from yeah. responsibilities. So exactly. Yeah. But, but that was a good workshop this morning. Thank you. Yeah. I, bet. I, think, I think a lot of it kind of resonated with me and was able to get some ideas and, um, you know, kind of working with, uh, with owners on setting expectations for what renters are doing and, yeah. Um, on the move out process, which I think is important. There's a lot of uh, kind of unknown territory there that, that people don't understand and um, it, just trying to navigate it all. So that was good. Yeah, good. So for those of you, um, we had a, a workshop this morning for a Seattle Rental Group that was specifically geared towards turnovers. And really we're, we're trying to kind of work towards um, creating consistency, but there's just been so many changes in the laws. Um, for renting and, and Trevor being one of our property watch specialists and leasing specialists as well as a broker, um, you know, it's just important for us to kind of stay on, on top of all that. Um, but yeah, it's the move out coordination process is one of the tougher because, you know, you're dealing with condition, you're dealing with the tenant refund um, and it can be challenging at times. Yeah. It's definitely a, a delicate dance sometimes. Mm -hmm. It's really easy and it's just everyone's just like on on par with what's going on and other times it's uh <laughs> it can be brutal but yeah um, but yeah uh, hopefully trying to make you know tenants and owners understand expectations on both sides of it to to realize that what um what the turnover process is like and what's expected of security deposits and wear and tear on the place um is great i, th I thought one of the key points that joe pointed out and it was uh the, the five-year rule on, on painting a home. Yep. And uh, yeah, so basically, you know, five years, if you've gotten use out of your paint, that's, that's a good run on paint. It's time to, time to refresh it, especially if you have tenants living there. Um, you know, they're not going to be as uh, protective of the walls as, as the owner might be. Totally. 
Yeah, just like thrashing. I mean, mostly what is funny is I, I do find that it might not even be majority damage, but it might be majority normal wear, like the scuffs on the walls and in the closets and stuff. Like I swear people just throw their shoes in their closets and it scuffs, them, you know, walls <laughs> up or you take your big bag and you just brush up against the wall. Like, yeah, you care about it. Right. Yeah. Um, and so the normal wear actually sometimes is 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 damage. Um, because it's not, it's could be preventative. You don't have to thrash down the hallways with your big bags. Right? Right. <laughs> like, you don't need to chuck your shoes at the wall. Yeah. Um, well, sometimes you do, but you know. Yeah. <laughs> but those are expenses that I think, you know, owners, landlords, you know, it's, it's, um, we have to educate just based on, you know, that, that is a turnover cost that cannot be passed on to, you know, a tenant. And those are, that's. I think something that not everyone is expecting when renting their property. Yeah. Even uh, like informing tenants and letting them know what's, uh, what, what can be expected and what can't be expected as far as when they move out. Um, and, and walls are a huge thing. Cause you know, like you said, you, you scuff them all the time. Um, furniture. I've noticed a lot of people put furniture up against walls. just like everyone else is, you know, you put your yeah. furniture everywhere. And then there will be like a, um, you know, it'll just be that mark next to the wall that you say, oh, there was a table. You can clearly see that there was a table there and uh, or a bed. There's, you know, the oils and stuff from the sheets and the pillows are all kind of now on the side of the wall. Yeah. And is that considered damage? Is that considered normal line tear? And um, yeah, setting an expectation with, with tenants on like, no, that, that could have been prevented. You know, mm -hmm. well, it's no different than grimy hands on like doorknobs, like behind you, I see the kitchen knobs, right? Mm -hmm. That's like something that always happens. Like they all get, especially a white cabinetry, like these little black rings around. It's like, well, it's not really damaged, but you do have to clean that up. You know, you clean it off. Is it clean? Yeah. Is it? One of my, uh, one of my favorite products to use is like the, the Mr. Clean, like pads. They, oh really, yeah. Um, they were great for scuffs on walls and like little things like that. And because um, most of the time cleaners won't clean that stuff and you have to specially request it or do it yourself. Yeah. Same so. here. I use those things until they basically like crumble in my hand. We've got to be careful because there's certain paints that it doesn't work well on. Oh, totally. I think it is the flat paint that it doesn't work on. Yeah. Yeah. It just like you could you walk away and you're like, uh oh, <laughs> it needs to be completely repainted now. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. So. Yeah. Good. So you're. Um, leasing business you're now you're kind of through your your foot fiasco right you're yep, yep. i can i can back on your jump feet. in place and run around and yeah. hop on a trampoline it's great it's uh it, it's been a year that's uh, so crazy since i broke it so yep. on the 8th of this month a year ago is uh when i destroyed my ankle and um it still hurts which is weird you know i've never having gone through an injury like this it's just always kind of weird to I don't know what to expect. And if, if the expectation is it might be completely healed where I don't feel anything, mm -hmm. but I still, you know, it's still sore. It still uh, limits me on certain things, but, yeah. uh, and each, each passing week or each passing month that goes by, I realize like, Oh, I can actually like stand on my one foot. I can hop around on one foot. <laughs> yeah. I, can, I can kind of run. <laughs> You've been, you've been conditioned for the last year, just like the wearing the masks or staying in or whatever we've been going through for COVID. You've been conditioned not to use your ankle or your leg. Right, right. So it's like you're, you're noticing those things. Yeah. You wouldn't have otherwise. It's funny. Yeah. So it's kind of coming back, but I still don't have the range of motion completely back. It's, you know, 
it doesn't quite go as far as what it should. And I don't know if that'll ever come back, but yeah. at least it works if I can yep. get around. <laughs> you don't have to scooter and you don't have to hobble. So that's good. No. Although yeah. my kids, they still want me to ride the scooter around. So when they go riding their, their bikes <laughs> in the uh, in the cul-de-sac, they yeah. say, can you grab your scooter and ride the scooter around? And oh, my so neighbors funny. look at me weird. And it's like, I thought you were done with that. Did you break another one? <laughs> like, no. So what um, what have you been working on? Just like, I know you've been doing some leasing and, and you've actually had quite a few sales, haven't you, in the last couple of weeks, I think, in the last month? Yeah, within the last month, um, oh. like I said, you, you know, th this month is usually kind of, uh, slow sometimes but you know I've been a little busy I'm starting to mellow out now mm -hmm. still got one uh, one town home that's listed for sale and we're working on getting into contract this week yep. uh, we'll see and uh, just had a couple uh, closing a week ago a week and a half ago up a place in Mukilteo which is a little bit of stretch of a drive yeah but um, it's a condo it's a three-bedroom condo which was a, a large condo but it's a uh, one day on the market Oh, geez. And we've got a buyer that went over asking. It was crazy, you know, for a condominium project um, way out in Mukilteo. <laughs> you know, I was looking at the numbers um, just for condos in general. And I think this is the second month or maybe even, well, it was a pretty good gain in terms of um, appreciation and then also a limited inventory. Um, I think it was... Uh, Seattle specific was, I think, at like 0.64. I shouldn't cite this because I don't have it 100%. Um, but it was very low inventory numbers, inventory down year over year for all of King County and Crater, and then also um, Seattle and, and um, the east side. Mm -hmm. Prices all up. So, I mean, I think that that's just a sign of um, maybe that the housing market's so crazy. So people are looking for alternative housing and then that's where townhomes and townhomes are already going crazy, but really that's yeah. where condos come in. Yeah. Have you even seen downtown kind of get back in the swing of things? Yeah. You know, I listed so surprising. Um, day before yesterday, I've been working on this two bedroom um, at the Cosmopolitan and we just, one thing after another with just delays on different things from carpet installers to loading dock issues to whatever. So finally got it listed. Um, and literally within 24 hours, we had four showings and one full price offer and pending, like no inspection. So I, I kind of am feeling, um, and I've been telling everyone that, you know, we're kind of, we're not in the seller's market quite yet. It's just the building into for condos, um, because I think against the affordable housing, people are not purchasing homes. Um, they are, I think the idea where people were kind of spreading out from the core of the city, people are starting to come back in um, and either they're renting at, you know, higher rates um, or they're considering purchasing. And then that's where kind of the, the condos come into play there. So I, I mean, I wouldn't, I almost bet on it actually. Um, First quarter next year, we might see, you know, multiple offers and kind of go back to that, you know, time frame. I want to say it was like 2013 to 14, mm -hmm. where we were just kind of pulling out or think it was converting kind of over to more of a um, seller's market. And all of a sudden by like 2014, 15, 16, it was like, I mean, you had five offers on condos. Going yeah. back to those days is like, <laughs> <laughs> You have to reorder your lease, have it, all your documents in a row. There's a whole other process when the market is hot for yeah. sure that you're doing what you need to be doing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I do think we're we're getting there. Yeah, I think it was um, 
you know, kind of at the south end, uh, single family homes have always been been doing well. Um, there was a little bit of a lull, I thought, uh, or not lull, I should say, uh, less of a, a competition about a month and a half ago or so when people were um, putting in offers and we've been so used to going up against like 20 other offers. And uh, suddenly it was, uh, there was no other offers on the table. We're like, okay, now we have choices. Yeah. Uh, so, but it, it's kind of bounced back a little bit. There's been a couple homes just in my neighborhood that have been posted up and like a day later they're gone. Yep. And that's still happening all over. So um, it's kind of spotty. I mean, I think the inventory is still pretty limited, but you know, you might have a really strong weekend where two houses come on or what, how, how many, and they go really quick. And then all of a sudden, yeah. like the week later, the identical home in the neighborhood ends up having to sit there for a week or 10 days or whatnot. So it's, so there's no rhyme or reason to it really. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, with the limited market, it, it, it does really help to have other homes available because yeah. it brings attraction to your home that's on the market. I had a, a listing in, um, in, in Seattle, a condo, and uh, we were getting decent traction on it, but we weren't really getting any head wave as far as uh, offers. We got really low offers, so the owner didn't want to take it. But we um, uh, ended up, there was a, a, a new listing that was down below our condo unit that we posted, and uh, it, it was fantastic. It looked amazing. And so brought a bunch of people that wanted to come see it. Mm -hmm. Well, lo and behold, right then and there, we got an offer that same day. Like yep. that, and it just happens that way. Timing. Timing is everything. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. So are you seeing the more inventory downtown or down south? Are you, is it pretty limited down there too? Pretty limited. Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah. they gobbled up super quick and, you know, still. Uh, it was about a month ago I saw one agent had like 60 or 70 offers that they had to sift through. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Was, oh, man, I, I wouldn't even like. It'd be so hard to navigate all that. Oh, no, you need two <laughs> days to respond. <laughs> yeah. I've been trying to, trying to remember. There, there was someone that was saying, I don't know if I've seen it so much, but I've seen other agents um, putting out notices to say, hey, we're going to accept a bunch of different offers. So it doesn't mean we're in contracts and um, we're going to negotiate on whatever the best is, but we may accept like five offers and to get the best between those five. I don't think we can do that in our state. No. And you know, what's funny about that. So where did you see that at? Uh, just like agents on Facebook groups are talking about. So that's how they do it in Arizona. So okay. it's like where they could actually, um, their whole process is very um, different because you do not, you can send out as a seller, multiple counter offers to multiple offers right right and then they could be signed around and agreed upon but then you as the seller have the right to choose which one it is so it's like non-binding basically yeah. um it's so funny just kind of learning the ins and outs and we just sold our house down there and purchased a new one so i kind of went through the full cycle um of the process down there and mm -hmm. it's just um johnny who we work with down there i always kind of correct i'm like well, what do you mean it's like that because i'm sure he's just like ashley with all my questions but like well that's not how it is in washington i'm like actually stop right you know of course yeah. it's not but yeah different areas have just different ways of doing it and um i always kind of wonder would we ever evolve to something like that or when is going to be like a change to where we kind of change our system of doing the multiple offer scenarios because you know, we do see just as they updated the forms last, the escalation forms and all that, there are a lot of 
um, legal implications. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of, um, you know, misunderstandings and just things with, with going through that process that could be eliminated if it was done differently. So, yeah. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. With, uh, with, with all the new things within our, our agreements, um, what's the one that stands out to you? Um, so the new, the MLS forms, just like the new process, I guess would be, there's two of them this last year was the finance one, um, yep. where the automatic waiver are versus, versus the, the, um, just the time waiver, yeah. um, for financing. And then the other one would be, I'm sure there's others, but I guess stick right now would be the inspection report, mm -hmm. how you now check the box, whether or not the the buyer or the seller agrees to have the buyer wants the buyer to send them the inspection report. Yeah. Um, I think that's kind of a funny, funny one. And actually that's a good example. Also in Arizona, the second you do your inspection, you send the report to the seller. Oh, weird. Yeah. Cause I, I was like, that is completely bizarre. Yeah. Um, and I didn't get a hundred percent whether or not that's something that they agreed to before, but I think it's pretty customary that you just straight up after the inspection, even before you respond, you send that over to the, um, the listing broker. Mm -hmm. So they, in th theory, then know all the information, um, you know, that was on there. Yeah. I guess it could be a good, good or bad thing. Yep. Um, I guess it depends on how they, they handle it and, and what they need to have done or what's, you know, um, as far as the home and what, what it needs to do to get, get it work in a state that it doesn't need yeah. to be fixed or repaired or is it something that could be just, you know, moved on. Is the bank going to be or a lender going to be, you Weird. know, yeah. asking questions about it, bringing up red flags on it as well. Um, lots of number of things. Yeah. Kind of interesting. But I, I thought it was interesting how, you know, it, even if you give a snippet of hours to a seller, like it's, you know, pretty much a breach of contract. At that point. <laughs> yeah, totally is. Um, which updates stood out to you this last year? Uh, it was that financing one, the, yep. uh, the notice of lifting the financing contingency, mm -hmm. um, which which I think is, I don't think a lot of people understand how that all works. Um, sure. It defaults to 21 days, which I thought was really short, uh, considering. Yeah. But I've been bumping that up to, you know, basically the length of, of the contract. Contract. When, um, you're when you're representing a buyer. Yeah, uh, depending on the situation. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, just to kind of protect the buyer a little bit there. But of course, when the seller wants to see it, they want to see 21 days. That's that's what the default is. That's what it should be. Or less. Or yeah. less, yeah. yeah. I or think I, I saw a purchase and sale agreement with five days on it yeah. a couple of weeks ago. And I was like, huh, like people are getting really creative. Zero days, one day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if they'll notice this. Yeah. <laughs> so... But, uh, but yeah, lots of new changes on, on, on those forms. Um, and lots of new changes in, in Seattle as far mm -hmm. as the laws go and with the, on the rental side of things too. Yeah. Um, and trying to prepare in, investors and owners what, the, what those changes are. I know. It's really hard to, uh, and I think everyone's kind of, we know the general framework of all these changes, especially the one November 9th that's coming into play for the um, – 180 days notice for uh, rental increases. Yeah. That one's going to be kind of tough and really, and I know you have an opinion on this too, but um, it's going to be tough to implement that. I just think 180 days is just crazy. 
It's a long time. It's a long time. And 90 days, I would say, okay, I'd still complain. <laughs> yeah. But but then I'd be like, you know, that's reasonable. You can work with it. But but to double the time frame and, and have six months where you have to give notice to for especially smaller landlords, right? Apartment communities, I get it. Like they're on kind of this autopilot schedule of issuing, you know, their renewal, their uh, renewals and their algorithms of their pricing and stuff. But yeah. once they choose you, landlords are just completely different. And so they don't even know, you know, they might want to sell the property. They might want to move back in. That literally, no one knows what the market's going to be in six months. And in the rental market, the span is so short that, yeah. like, you know, it could do the it could do the tenant a major disservice, um, you know, for sure. Or it's uh, the other way around. So uh, for sure, it's the other way around. But yeah. <laughs> you know, it could affect the tenant negatively as well. Yeah. Because what's going to end up doing is, you know, everyone's going to try to build in these auto increases um in order to and really that's just to protect the owner um from the failure of serving the actual notice i think yeah. is the purpose of that it's not to gouge the tenant i think it's just to make sure you're safeguarding people right that if ever a question came back it's, just like, it's actually in a lease it was yeah exactly it's gonna happen uh what have you been advising owners as far as rental increase? I mean, it, it all changes with the market from month to month um, or even day to day for that matter, depending apartment yeah. are like day to day, I think, or hourly. Um, but what's a good percentage of increase per year? I mean, if you look at it for, let's again, onesie, twosie landlords, which we know as, you know, private condo, townhome and, and houses. Um, I kind of feel like on average, when I look at my owners historically, how they've increased or not increased their rent, really probably ends up coming out to an average of maybe 3%, 3 to 5%. Yeah. So, so with this new law, you know, it, it's, it's up to basically up to 10% um, before hitting more requirements for, for giving notice. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that 10% is going to, uh, owners are going to see that 10% mark and be like, well, okay, I can raise it up to 10%, which would be crazy. Exactly. It'd be a lot of money yeah. depending um, on the it home. It really would. Yeah. And, and, and then you deal with, you know, the cost of an owner not renewing is, a, um, or, or having their tenant move out is a lot more than taking the hit on the increase, right? So because yeah. there's just so many costs involved with turnover, you know, you have um, paying for a new tenant, you know, the tenant procurement services, and you have the wear and tear on the property that you then have to cover. And there's just so many costs. If you take that and then you divide it by 12 months, you'll see exactly what the, you know, the savings are for you to just actually strike a deal and keep your tenant. And I think that that's kind of been the logic for a lot of homeowners. But this rule has made everyone think, oh, no, I, you know, instead of me having that opinion or having that logic um, behind it, it's like they almost feel like they need to implement the increase. Yeah. Which, so. you know, uh, like the, the market changes, so it could just it hurt them in the, in the long run at the end. Like, yep. they, they, they will, I think we're going to see a lot of tenants move because of these increases. And they're like, well, I can get a place down the street that's cheaper. You know, I don't want to have to raise my rent. And so they'll move. So then the owner's going to be having to incur the cost to, 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 to get new tenants in there versus, you know, um, hopefully keep them in there. I guess they could always go back and say, you know, we're not going to increase it after, you know, six months comes around. Yep. But, 
And we've actually talked about that too, um, with approach of the owner, it's in the sole, the owner's sole right to maybe not um, implement the increase. Um, mm -hmm. You know, obviously everything's open for discussion and negotiations, you know, right. when it comes to that, that's what we do. We negotiate the lease term up front, we negotiate the term on the back end. I mean, um, so it is open um, and it would be up to the owner to say, hey, you know, the market actually does not warrant this 10% increase and we want to keep you as a tenant. So how about this or, and is that legal offering them another price point or is it that, you know, you have to go back to what your original um, rental rate is. So those are, we just have a couple questions that we're trying to kind of figure out before this all kind of comes into play. And I'm attending a class on the 10th um, about it. So hopefully, hopefully by the end of the day on November 10th, we will have some answers. <laughs> Right. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. Yeah. But um, and it, yeah, there's a lot of questions as far as like right now, which once uh, November 9th comes around is when that, that law kicks in. So owners that have leases that ex expire January, you know, yep. what are we supposed to be recommending them? Like getting those notices now for increases in, in January, um, you know, or are they just if they miss the date on 11 nine, are they kind of SOL for yeah. I mean that's what a lot of people have been doing is serving their notices for next year you know um, and in a weird way and you know I get why the law is you know if you are an open-minded and being rationalizing okay I get why the law is there mm -hmm. um, but at the same time <laughs> you know a lot of these owners rented their places during COVID and we all know that during the COVID period things were down 20 to 35 percent as far as yeah. the rental rates go. And so those those owners now are not able to uh, increase, you know, their rent to get them back up to, you know, market rent. Um, I think Jenny actually had one the other day where she was saying, I think the property had rented for like 2000 or 2100. And, and she was like, no, no, hands down, it'll rent for 26, 25 to 27. No problem. Yeah. So like, we're seeing a lot of that. Yeah. And so this, yeah, this law will kind of <laughs> push that back a little bit. I think so too. So. Yeah. But we'll get through it. And I'm sure um, in light of the new kind of the turnover, maybe of little spiciness of the council uh, election that just took place in the mayor election, um, maybe things will kind of um, level out a little bit. Yeah. Is what, what puts me to sleep at night, yeah. <laughs> allows me to sleep is okay. We have a new mayor and we have a new couple new positions um that turned over that that might um be more of an assistance to the landlords that are out there yeah so we'll see cool. it's all kind of kind of messy right now yeah are you still baking bread you know so let's we'll bring this whole full circle um yeah. you know i i've been living very transitionally for the past um two months that's right we, yeah we um remodeled our condo are living with our in-laws in our other condo or my in-laws and then um we sold the place in arizona you know we've just been doing a lot of things so i actually haven't had a kitchen to properly um do my starter so mm -hmm. i have not <laughs> where's your starter now is it just in the fridge this it's literally just in the fridge and it's like slowly dying and everyone's all remember and i'll go feed it and it's just been because we have some belongings still in the con well it's in my condo in yeah. the 
um, when we're remodeling because we didn't have to fully uh, move out of it. But I'm yeah. mumbling because I'm embarrassed that I don't have my starter. But I am going to start it back up because everyone <laughs> likes eating bread during the holidays. Yeah. I probably I, uh, I, had a, <laughs> I had a friend who he worked at a restaurant out in Tacoma. And I forget the, the restaurant that he was at. But he basically saw this tub like off in the corner somewhere. And I think it was in the, in the fridge. But it had been sitting there for like a year. No one has ever touched this thing. And so he decided one day that he was getting like, what is this tub full of goop? And pulled it out. And sure enough, it was someone's sourdough starter that started from a previous chef from him. So he built it back up. And, oh, wow. And he turned Did it around. On it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was disgusting on top. <laughs> Nasty. It had like, you know, this layer of liquid oh, all yeah. over the top of it. And, you know, you pour all that out no. and probably drank it. I don't know. And then just this reliving the whole starter and it ended up working. And one of the starters I, I originally started was from that batch. And it was like a 10-year-old, whatever, starter. Oh, that's cool. um, and I ended up trashing it at one point because <laughs> it ended up it's sitting in my fridge for too long. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Growing some hooch on top of it. and Yeah. That's so, funny. So do you have your starter going then? Uh, no, actually. I um <laughs> <laughs> we both fail. <laughs> Do's or does, we didn't know. <laughs> but I do, you know. We don't know. <laughs> still making bread. Oh, good. Um, here and there. Nice. Um, just this one is not a sourdough style. Uh, it'll still be a rustic style. It'll still be tasty and delicious, but it's, uh, it's using, you know, dried yeast instead of like a starter. Got it. Which is always good. And it's kind of like my go-to, like basic, basic white. Yep. basic white dough <laughs> <laughs> and uh, um That's funny. yeah it's a good dough to practice on and kind of learn the technique a little bit and still have a good you know something that tastes good yeah you call it your basic beezy do you let it sit overnight then is that how you do your uh not this one i have done it overnight before but i'll usually put it in the fridge if I'm getting doing overnight, I think it would be too, too warm to just ferment overnight with this kind of starter or with this kind. Of, um, but I've done like overnight cold ferments before. Mm -hmm. and it seems to do okay. So what do you make the dough in the morning and then let it rise or how? This one's simple. It's like six hours maybe. Okay. And, you know, I started it just before I came on, onto this call and mm -hmm. uh, I just put it together, just mix it for a couple hours and then do the, the folding process for like two or three hours and let it proof for another two hours and then it's ready to bake. So basically you keep it moving. Yeah. 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 So I'll mix it and then I'll let it rest for 45 minutes and then I'll fold it and then I'll let it rest for another 45 minutes and fold it again. I'll do like three or four folds like that mm -hmm. then, uh, and then shape it and then proof it and then, uh, and then it's good to go. Can you taste the difference? I know obviously sourdough is definitely distinctly sourdough, but um, mm -hmm. is there a difference that you could tell in kind of how dense it is or the moisture or like all those things? Yeah, yeah. All it, I mean, definitely when you have a starter, it has a, a more like tanginess to it. Mm -hmm. And uh, that, that, that sourdough kind of taste that we all expect from like a sourdough. Um, so it's, it's more just kind of, I would say, like I said, basic. It's just kind of a, um, it, it tastes good, but it's not overly flavorful of those kind of natural yeast flavors. It just tastes like a you know, crunchy white bread that you get at a restaurant. That's, yep. um, 
but it's good. It's, it's a good base to kind of experiment with. So if you're, if you never experimented with throwing different ingredients into things and don't know how that whole process works, it's a good dough to kind of begin with that. And you know, like, so if you want to do something with like sun-dried tomatoes and mm -hmm. olives, you know, garlic, garlic um, you can kind of experiment with this kind of basic dough and throw all those things in without having to go through a, you know, 18 hour process of making a, um, a sourdough and then ruining it somehow or didn't mm -hmm. set right or you forgot to dry the olives um, <laughs> and, uh, it, it, or forget that there's like oil on top of these things. So you don't dry the oil off and then you put it into your dough and then also your dough is just like really weird, yeah. tacky and more <laughs> tacky than what it should be and doesn't quite proof right. Yeah, all those. that can uh, that can happen in that process, but but at least it's you know five six hours, mix and match with whatever you want to put into it, and then you know you kind of figure out what your errors were, and it's still get a good bread. Yep. Do you do you use a Dutch oven or do you, you do you form it in low? Yeah. Dutch oh, oven. Yeah. yeah, Dutch oven on this one. Yeah. I um, I got a new oven a couple months back. Ooh, love that. So uh, it's a convection style oven. I've never used that for baking before, so I don't know how that's going to turn out. Um, but my oven previously, I don't know if you've tried to make baguettes before. I have. So steam is a really hard thing to kind of mm -hmm. control and figure out because um, you need a lot of steam in there. And that's why the Dutch ovens are great because you cover it and it just holds all that steam inside, um, which creates a really nice crust on, on the bread and just changes it uh, a little bit differently. Otherwise, it'll be really supple and soft and not mm -hmm. quite what you want out of, a, out of your rustic breads. But um, like baguettes I've made before, and my whole process of making a baguette, shape it and everything goes into the oven. I'll take a, like some sheet pans, I'll put it on the bottom of the oven and let it get really hot. And then I'll take squirt bottles or squeeze bottles full of boiling water, and then I'll throw the dough into the oven and then spray all this water into the, the pans and it just steams everywhere. And then I'll shut the you know, pan door or mm -hmm. the, the oven door shut and then it just, you know, and it works out great. Um, so I don't know if I'm gonna do that with my new oven because that was a, you know, that was an older oven I didn't really care about. Yeah, they'll <laughs> <laughs> be throwing water into the, the new oven. Yeah, yeah, so I don't know if that's a, if that's a good thing for your oven or not. Um, so I got to experiment with different methods of creating steam inside that oven. I know. I was just thinking, I bet you that there's some, some other way that you can go about doing that. And whether it's water in a tray of some sort underneath, maybe on the bottom rack or who knows. Yeah. There's um, a, yeah, people will put on the bottom rack or into like a, a sheet pan, um, like a dish of boiling water and just mm -hmm. let it there. I just don't think that creates enough steam. steam. Um, and I've heard of people like, taking big thick chains and then pouring water across from that yeah. and putting yeah. that in there or um, lava rocks i've heard people use lava rocks before yeah um so be some good experimenting yeah versus, cool. versus my super soaker method <laughs> well you'll have to let us know how that goes you know i've only sold a few places that have uh the steamer in it yeah the actual steamer mechanism in, in the uh, oven. And I always like overemphasize, and this oven has a steamer and everyone looks at me like, okay, <laughs> what, <laughs> what why would I mean? use that? <laughs> oh, you don't bake bread? <laughs> yeah. 
It's kind of funny. Was it like a commercial, like a like yeah. a commercial oven type of thing, or was it just um, like your... it was in, two of them have been in residential buildings or just really high end appliances. Um, I want to say one was um, was it Wolf? I think it was Wolf. Um, yeah, both of them were. And so yeah, they have it's a commercial grade, yeah, but for residential, and then they have the little steamer, um, you know, yeah. inside of them for that. It's awesome. Cool. Yeah, I've never used an oven like that. I would, I think it'd be fun. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> well, whenever I get a vacant unit that has one of those, we could have a maybe it's a do's and do's party. Right. Right in there. Yeah. <laughs> Fighting over the oven on whose yeah. bucket gets to go in first. Yep. Good stuff. Anything else going on with you and the family is doing well? Yeah, family's doing good. They're Tomei, he's seven and in school. And the first week or two, he didn't like it. And uh, and now he, he really likes it. And, you know, he wakes up in the morning and gets ready to go to school and um, gets excited about it. Um, he was actually kind of sick this last week or so. Um, wasn't sure what was going on. He had some stomach pains that we couldn't figure out. Could have been food related. I don't know. Mm -hmm. um, but he's he's fine now, and he went to school today. But he was worried that he wasn't going to go back to school till his third grade. Oh. <laughs> you know, uh, he was in kindergarten, and COVID hit. Yeah. And pulled out of kindergarten, and then first grade was kind of online, partially online, homeschooling, and it just kind of didn't happen. And mm -hmm. so now second grade. And so he was worried that he was going to miss a whole nother school year. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, that whole, I mean, his age specifically, um, that's like a very impressionable age in which you learn a lot of things when you are interacting with kids your age and, you know, you're being more social and kind of learning things. So it's like, mm -hmm. I can see, um, it's just good. Kids are back in school yeah. on many levels. <laughs> on many levels. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Like I said, he, he didn't enjoy it at first, and now he's he's pretty excited about it. He's got a, he's starting to make some friends. Good. Uh, his one big worry when he was going into school back to in person was what if he doesn't have any friends or what if people don't like him and all this oh. stuff. Forget all that. Just you know. Yeah, just go. Yeah, just He's go. Fine. You'll you'll meet people, and then you're you'll have people you won't like, and people won't like you. Just stick to the people that uh, that you care about, and it'll be fine. Yeah, yep. good advice. That's good. Do you still have your chickens? Still have your chickens. Oh yeah, they're uh, they they're good. We we say that they're on strike right now. They're uh, <laughs> we have thirteen chickens, and we're getting about two to three eggs a day, which we should be getting. Like, yeah, what's their deal? <laughs> I don't know. We we had a light. We usually keep a light on in the coop um, that just runs all day long, and then um, that helps keep their routine. So they keep yep. laying eggs, and we had that light bulb burn out, and we oh. lacked on changing it. And uh, interesting, so big, yeah, but now yeah. they're molting, and but yeah, they're silly, they are. yeah, but that's still cool. Fresh eggs are the best, yeah, they really are. Yeah, I like well, maybe they'll get their act together. <laughs> you should go out there and talk to them and say, right. give them a little yeah. pep talk, just kind of sit with them, make yeah. a fire, and hang out, sing to them, <laughs> <laughs> throw them some grubs, and yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Anything else you want to touch on today? I think that's all I got. Good seeing you. You too. And, Virtually uh, as always. Yeah. We'll have to, I'll start up my, start up my starter. Once yep. we get moved in in a couple of weeks into our um, place and get settled and then we'll start kind of posting and making some bread for the holidays. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. 
But the good thing about the starter is that it'll still be there, and you can still bring it back from, from the fridge. From dead. Bring it back from the dead. Yeah. And if you completely erase it, it'll start over, and it's, you know, a good couple Definitely. weeks to be back to, back to it. Totally. So. Good cool. stuff. Well, have a great weekend. It was good chatting with you. You too. Have a good weekend yourself, and happy November. I know. Can you believe it's already here? And I honestly, the weeks have already planned out. I mean, Thanksgiving is just like next week, it feels. Yeah. So speaking of Thanksgiving, um, we have some exciting news. Uh, I guess not not we, uh, more or less Jess is my, my partner, Jess, yeah. um, my girlfriend, Jessica. She, uh, she has some exciting news. What is uh, it? So she, her brother had given her a phone call or a text message, I'm not really sure. Um, but basically, um, he and his family had taken an Ancestry DNA uh, test a while back, and then it was a couple of years ago. Well, he gets an email saying, hey, I think we might somehow be related. Um, I got like a 100% match to you. And I think maybe you have an uncle, or maybe you're a cousin, or something rather. So long story short, it turns out uh, this this girl who's in her, in her 40s, late 40s, has been searching for her father since she was a kid, has finally found her dad, and it's Jessica's dad. Oh my gosh, she has a sister? She has <laughs> a sister. Half sister, yeah. Yeah. Wow. And it's, it's just amazing just That's to watch get cool. all excited about it. And uh, That's yeah, so we awesome. had to break the news to her father and like, kind of wrap our heads around like um, what happened <laughs> yeah what happened where did this come from how did you not know and get that whole story but uh for thanksgiving we're actually going to meet her for the first time oh that's so awesome is she coming um here or are you guys going there uh we're, we're going out to portland she lives in california so we're meeting halfway at uh at the, that set of family that is so exciting so that's a yeah story. one of those crazy stories that you know you can't imagine. It's like, oh, by the way, you, you, you have a daughter. <laughs> yeah. Huh. Well, that's cool. I think that's oh. really, really neat and really awesome that you guys are meeting for Thanksgiving. And Yeah. All right. We'll end on that lovely note. Indeed. And I hope, I hope you have a great weekend, and I'm sure we'll be in touch with each other. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> we'll talk soon. All right. Bye. <laughs>